unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Hey, welcome into it. Darn right it is. It's Kansas Talk, baby. Ready to wake you up, get you ready for another weekend, having more fun than what we should be each and every day. Welcome into it. This is Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial and 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial if you want to hear us in high definition here in the Wichita area. Also want to give a shout out to our sister station, KIUL in Garden City. Also picking up the program as well on 1240 where the radio program began all the way back when. Welcome into it. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join in on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, we got a lot to talk about today. Holy cow, do we have a show lined up for you. Although, I have to admit, I made a uh, little programming hiccup here I got to work on real quickly. Hold on, hold on a quit. There we go. All right. I think we're good. I think we're good. Welcome into it, guys. We got a lot to talk about. Bottom of the hour. As grab this we have a new guest on the program roxy yonke she is the author of the book secret kansas a guide to the weird wonderful and obscure as we talk about the hidden mysteries and hidden gems across the state of kansas she's written that book excited to have her on the program in just a little bit that'll be fun hour number two we have maya mailman she is the Senior Legal Fellow for the Independent Women's Law Center. She's the one that wrote the bill for the Women's Bill of Rights here in the state of Kansas as we talk about the Women's Bill of Rights. So there's been two bills, one of them that was already vetoed and we already overrode that bill regarding the women's uh, or the women's sports bill saying that trans individuals would not be able to participate in men, or in girls sports across the state of Kansas. Uh, we did pass that. The governor did veto it and we have overridden that veto already. So we're in good shape there and we can actually have some common sense in the state. The other bill is this women's bill of rights that would actually just define what a boy is and what a girl is. I know. It's a wild concept, just just being able to define them based on gender. Uh, little voice reasons in studio. Do you know, uh, Isla, do you know what a boy is and what a girl is? Yeah, yeah, she's shaking her head. Yeah, uh, she's very, very well aware. Our eight-year-old is apparently uh, a little bit smarter than our very own governor in the state of Kansas. So uh, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We interviewed May Mailman on the program yesterday, and we will have her on the program again relatively soon. Hold on here. As we, there we go. Let's try and stop that. All right. Uh, so we have that. Also, bottom of the hour of next hour to wrap up the program, we focus it on the home front. We have the Wichita Police Department. They have their recruiting efforts going on as uh, they're trying to get more law enforcement in the area. So we talk about the recruiting efforts, what's going on with the Wichita Police Department. And we sat down in studio with the brand new police chief, Joe Sullivan. As we chat with him on welcoming him to the community, what his priorities are in the community, and a heck of a lot more. So, there's a lot to get to today, and we'll get to all of it and more with your phone calls as well at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, right here on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. There are a lot of legislative bills. Obviously, the legislature taking a couple weeks off before they come back for their veto sign-and-die session the last week before they wrap up the session for good in the 2023 year. And there are two. there's multiple bills sitting on the governor's desk right now as she decides to either sign them, veto them, 
or allow them to just sit and just by default to take effect. Oh, by the way, if you are, yeah, I forgot. I'm seeing the comments already. If you're watching the video stream, yes, I am dressed a little funky this morning. It's because we have the Renaissance Festival in town today. I know, it's kind of exciting. So, after the program today, uh, Little Voice of Reason and Mrs. Voice of Reason and myself, we yes, we are all dressed up properly in our attire. We'll be heading out to the Great Plains Renaissance Festival out at the Sedgwick County Park. I do not care if it's 60 mile an hour winds. I do not care if it's heavy rains. I do not care if it's going to be extremely cold today. We are going to go out. We are going to rock it because this is one of the greatest times and I'm excited about it. So hopefully to see you out at the Great Plains Renaissance Festival later on today. Uh, yes, I am wearing the proper attire. I also, if you're watching the video stream, I also have my uh, drinking horn ready to go as well, where it will be filled with great amounts of mead and skull to all of you who are going to come out and enjoy it as well. Why? Because it's fun. Anyways, all right, back to it. So we had the legislature uh, taking their sign-and-die recess right now. They'll be back at it in another week or two to override some of the vetoes that the governor has pushed. Yesterday, in our breaking news headlines of the day, the governor has announced two more vetoes. You know, the non-veto governor that said she does not like to veto any bills. She likes to work across the aisle. She's not held to the Democrat Party. She's not a partisan hack in any way, shape, or form. Totally likes to work with the other side of the aisle and find common ground in some way, shape, or form. Uh, she's vetoed more bills than any governor in the last 40 years. She's vetoed two more bills, including House Bill 2313, the Born Alive Bill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. We'll talk about that in just a second. Also, she's vetoed Senate Bill 116, which is the Eddie Eagle Program and Gun Safety for Children in Public Schools. Now, if you don't know these two bills, House Bill 2313 is the Born Alive Bill, meaning that if you have an abortion performed in the state of Kansas, which we are kind of the sanctuary state, apparently, for that in the Mid-America region, Oklahoma's completely banned abortion, Texas is working on banning abortions, Missouri has a ban on abortions, Nebraska has a ban on abortions, Kansas is really the only state where, thanks to the vote that we did in August of last year, we have secured the right to say that the Kansas Supreme Court has the ultimate decision on abortion, which they've said is a constitutionally protected right in the state. And because of that now, we're trying to at least find some ways to limit us from becoming that sanctuary state on abortions. The House Bill 2313, which is the Born Alive Bill, says that if you have an abortion performed in the state of Kansas, you come here, you do the abortion procedure, and during the procedure, the child, the living organism, comes out lie, alive, still living, once they remove it, the Born Alive Bill says that it's now a live human being and needs to be protected. Kind of common sense as well, again, because it's living, because they removed it and it's living on its own. She's vetoed that bill, meaning that she really says that now you can remove something living and then continue to kill it thereafter. We'll see if we have enough votes to override that veto coming up in the sign and die session. But an interesting concept, uh, you would think that that would at least be a universal, even on people who support abortion. We're not saying don't do the abortion. We're saying if you do the abortion process and it still comes out alive, then you should probably still protect it as a living organism. But apparently we don't define that as a living organism. That blows my mind. So a microbe on Mars that's living is a living organism that we have to preserve and research, but yet a child that's been removed forcefully 
is not a living organism. We can continue the process to kill it even after it's been removed and it's on its own independently. I find that quite strange how the Democrats have come to that level of insanity in the nation. But I guess they're also the ones that can't define what a boy or a girl is. Isla, do you know what a boy and a girl is? Are, are you? Do you know what that is? Yeah? Okay. Making sure. Uh, she knows what a boy and girl is. So apparently she, again, is a little more intelligent, a little bit on the higher IQ level than our very own Kansas governor, Laura Kelly. The second bill is Senate Bill 116, the Eddie Eagle program from the NRA. Now the media is hyping this up as a gun training program for children. <laughs> Again, apparently they don't know how to Google because the Eddie Eagle program does nothing uh, to teach children actually safety use of firearms other than to say, hey, there's a gun, don't touch it, and go tell an adult. In fact, I have the lovely video, hat tip to the eddieeagle.nra.org, that's a minute 55, that literally explains what the Eddie Eagle program really is. <gasps> oh, God. What should we do? Let's take it to the police. Let's take it over to my mom. She has a gun at home. She'll know what to do. It looks just like the ones on TV. And in my video. Stop. Don't touch. Run away. Tell a grown-up. Stop. Don't touch. Run away. Tell a grown-up. What? Why are you singing? I learned it from my dad. It helps me remember what to do if I ever come across a gun. Hey, I learned this song at school. Stop, don't touch, run away, tell the up. Stop. Okay, I think that's as far as we need to go there. Uh, you get the point. Stop, don't touch, run away, tell an adult. Now, apparently, just because it's associated with the National Rifle Association, the Democrats and Kansas Governor Laura Kelly want nothing to do with this bill, but it does nothing for the training of children to be familiar with a firearm in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, apparently, they don't know how to use Google. They're not aware of what this program actually is, and it's sickening. Uh, between the two bills that Kansas Governor Kelly has vetoed, it sounds like she doesn't quite care much for the Ute of America moving forward. Your thoughts on these? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Uh, Candace Governor Kelly vetoing these bills. Are you shocked? Are you surprised? And do you think we have enough votes coming up in just a week or so to override the vetoes on these two bills? Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing just fine, and uh, I heard you uh, on Armed American Radio last night dis discussing the Budweiser deal. Hey, but by the way, that reconnaissance fair you're going to, I don't know what they wore back then. <laughs> didn't they wear dresses, and didn't they walk around with a can of Bud Light or something like that? Uh, <laughs> see, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure they didn't wear, drink any Bud Light. However, uh, they did wear kilts at the time, and they do have kilts on sale, and I have been contemplating seriously on whether I'm going to purchase my kilt today or not while I'm there. You know what? Go ahead. Everything's cool. <laughs> Everything's cool. And some of them look really neat today, so I may have to buy my kilt. I'm not sure. We'll have to price them out, but I'm seriously considering buying my kilt today. I'm prepared if needed. Sure. You go, go ahead. Everything's cool. Oh, but by the way, yes. Um, with this Budweiser deal and this uh, man wearing a dress on a beer can, and Andy, um, at one time I was in management at a local soft drink company. And I was in their management for many, many years. 
we always preached to our route salespeople, in fact, to all of our people there, when you're out and about, you never talk about religion, you never talk about race, and definitely do not talk about politics. Your job is to sell the product. And if somebody, a person brings up something like that, to gracefully as possible, just get away from it. Because all you're going to do is, you might gain one person, but you, in doing so, you could lose five. Yeah. And I think this is one. Now, Budweiser here in Wichita is a very fine company, and I just don't understand. Yeah, it's very strange but, why. Uh, but this is the way that a lot of corporations are going. They now have to take some stand on some type of movement, and they have to make some type of you know PR stunt to try and win people over to be like, hey, they're on our side. They support us, even though they don't. And they really don't give a crap about it. Uh, there was a really interesting conversation about that that we had on my program yesterday as well with our guest uh, talking about these companies that are concerned about their ESG rating, which uh, is really, uh, really factual. As they look to try and get all these government grants and different business loans, uh, this new social credit score we're trying to implement in this in the uh, in the nation. That's really where it comes down to is that you have to take these stands and support the certain movements the government and the progressives and the activists want you to have. Or else eventually you're not going to get approved for those business loans. You're not going to get approved for those government grants because you don't have a high enough ESG score or social credit score as an individual or as a business. So either they're trying to play uh, profits for the fools or they're scared of not being able to play in the market later on once the government controls exactly what people are allowed to do economically. And either way, it's really stupid and really scary. Well, um, I'm out and about every day because I'm just... uh I'm just out and about every day. And to be quite honest with you, uh, I have yet, well, I've seen a man wearing a dress maybe once <laughs> in six months, and I really don't see that many strange people. Um, so where are these people that are trying to um, yeah, it's they're they're the extreme minority, and the, that's the crazy part. The extreme minority has the loudest voice right now, according to the latest study I saw. Seven percent of the entire nation uh, actually identifies with, or at least supports, the LGBTQ community. Not not part of it, but even just supports it. Seven percent of the nation, only a half a percent to one percent are actually the activists within that movement. So it's an extreme minority in the population, but yet. Apparently, um, everybody needs to get on board and make it like the mainstream thing and make it the really cool, new, hip, retro thing to do and support. And it goes back to like the Caitlyn Jenner thing to where, you know, they're courageous and they're superheroes and the most important people on the face of the earth. I'm sorry, but if I want to be known for something, I'd like to be known for how I work with the community and my intelligence, not based on the genitalia that I identify as. You know, uh, I was at a garage sale yesterday, and uh, mainly because it had a garage sale sign and it had some... Um, some of those rainbow flake signs. And so I went there, and there was a kid there about 18 years old, Andy, and he had pink hair, and he was dressed very feminine, but he was, I could tell he was a guy, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I myself, when I um, when I worked for this company, I hired a lot of people. Yeah. Who's going to hire some a person like that? I mean, my gosh. Well, it's, it, if no, they would, are, yeah, you're right. If they are, it's going to take some time. I mean, I know the first thing was taboo. If you saw tattoos, a lot of places still didn't like their tattoos being visible in certain places. Uh, so maybe they'll come around, but I think that might be a little extreme. So, Frederick, i got to run, my friend. We're late on a break here, but happy Saturday. Maybe we'll see you out at the Renaissance Festival today. 
Take care, sir, and have a most beautiful day. Always a pleasure, my friend. We got it. We got some more calls. We'll get to you in just a second. Got to take a break here. 22 minutes past the hour. It's Candace Talk on a Saturday morning. Let's get things rolling here. Get you up and moving. Get that blood pumping. Have some fun for another weekend right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Program 26 minutes past the hour here on Kansas Talk, right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Also, hat tip to our friends out at KIUL in Garden City, Kansas. Also, rocking us out there as well. Welcome in. We'd love to hear from you guys out in Western Kansas. Starting off another weekend at 316 721 8255. 316 721 Talk here on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We got a lot of stuff on the table. The legislature this year with the vetoes from Kansas Governor Laura Kelly. Also, the wokeness going on in Washington, D.C. We will talk a little bit about that, by the way, with May Mailman. She's with the Independent Women's Law Center, who wrote the Women's Bill of Rights uh, bill here in the state of Kansas that is sitting on the governor's desk. We will see if she vetoes that one. That is expected. I mean, she literally vetoed a um, born-alive bill, meaning if you have an abortion and the child comes out alive, that you have to protect it as, you know, a human being, and she vetoed a bill that would actually make that happen. That's a little strange to me, uh, a little um, weird, actually a little creepy, but nonetheless, I guess the Democrat part is a little creepy today, don't you think? So uh, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's go back to the phones here, shall we? Line number two, good morning, who's this? Hey, fight the power, Andy. Fight the power. What's happening, Sean? I'll tell you what, dude. It is, like, windier than a whole stack full of buttholes out here. (laughs) It is very windy. Are you going out to the Renaissance Festival? you got to walk around and uh, have a good time. And what? Catch pneumonia? (laughs) Allegedly. I don't know, know, man. I have to think about it. All right. All right. You need need to have some fun. You know, I'm not wearing anything uh, special, especially a kilt. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? That is the manliest thing you can wear is a kilt. It's okay. Yeah. And have it blow up and, uh, you know, <laughs> well, off your fruit of the plume. Well, that's that's the big discussion is, you know, what do you wear underneath the kilt? That's, that's the big question. Hey, is there going to be some time later on in the show since it's almost time for a it's almost the bottom of the air. Well, I, I, mean, I got I got to take a break. We are we are packed, jam packed full. So I uh, we may not have a whole lot of time today. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we have a great guest on her new book, Secret Kansas: All the Hidden Gems and Treasures Here in the State. And at hour number two, we are loaded with guests. But uh, you got about a minute right now. Well, I tell you what, not enough time to comment on some of the uh, things that are going on. Uh, all I can about do is just make smart aleck jokes. So well, there you go. You go know what? That's the best thing to do. Anyway. So, get your coffee uh, and make I'll it happen, brother. You. I'll try to call back later at the end of the third hour if there's enough time. Okay? There you go. That sounds great, my friend. Always a pleasure, Sean. We appreciate that 
very much. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. We'll get back to some of our legislative updates here in just a little bit. There are a plethora of bills sitting on the governor's desk right now. We'll see what she vetoes, what she passes. I'm not too optimistic that she's going to pass anything of substance because, well, the governor that wants to work across the aisle isn't really working across the aisle. Remember that conversation during the election? I'm not tied to the party. I'm willing to work with Republicans. I'm not a radical ideologue. Okay. Yeah. In your second term, when you really don't have to care about your re-election, you can do whatever you want to. And we're starting to see that just a little bit. We are going to have Ty Masterson, Senate President, and Dan Hawkins, uh, Speaker of the House, in studio with us to do a legislative update probably after the sign and die session here in a week or two. So we'll do that. Lots more coming up. Uh, Roxy Yonke right around the corner here to talk about her latest book about the hidden gems of Kansas. Time to tell him he's wrong at 316-721-TALK. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into to Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Also our friends out at KIUL in Garden City as well. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride today. And happy Saturday as we get you up and moving for another weekend. I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. Great friends of the show. Great friends here on K, uh, KQAM. Napoleon Appliance Repair. They were voted from the Wichita Eagles Best Of for 2022. They were voted Best Of when it comes to appliance repair in the South Central Kansas region. They can travel wherever you need to. And you can check them out on their Facebook page at Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. I need to get them up. And take a look at my refrigerator because, as you know, I have whatever. There's a there's a, a dark cloud over me, and I had the worst of luck when it comes to ice dispensers in my refrigerator. I do not know why. I've owned probably three different refrigerators over the years, and all of them don't like the ice dispenser whenever I actually need it. It works all the other times, and it kind of sporadically works, then doesn't, then works again, then doesn't. i got to get them out and have them take a look at it because I'm tired of not having ice, especially going into a summer season. That might be kind of handy, and I, I'm tired of buying bags of ice for my you know, glasses of whiskey and other adult beverages that we like to consume. Napoleon Appliance Repair, though, they can check it out. Napoleon Appliance Repair. Give them a call at 316-409-1525, 316-409-1525, or find their Facebook page at Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. Great partners. We love them to death. Great personal friends, Mike and Mike, and uh, they'll get you taken care of no matter it's whether it's the older stuff or the new technology with all those computer chips telling you, Andy, you're out of carrots. Please add it to the grocery list. And you know that stuff's out there. It's crazy stuff. All right, 316-728-255. Not able to get a hold of Roxy on the program, so we'll try and get her on a little bit later, or we'll reschedule her for another day. Not a big deal, but her book, Secret Kansas, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure, The Secret Histories and Gems of the State of Kansas, which means it is open lines to you. So, Sean, if you do want to call back and tell your story, you're more than welcome to do so at 316-721-8255. But with that, let's go right to the phone lines here. Line number three. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, what's happening, brother? Well, as I've mentioned in the past there, they have uh, just now initiated the police state because anytime you have uh, people who are elected officials relinquish their building, which they're supposed to be doing business in for the people, that lets you know that someone else is taking over. That's why they have a capital. 
building in Topeka because the legislature is supposed to go there and conduct the people's business at that place. Here in Sedgwick County, the county commissioners have decided that they no longer are going to do business in the building, which is supposed to be for county business. Instead, they're allowing the police state to take over, and uh, the courts are now controlling the building. So I kind of question whether the county commissioners, any business that they do outside of the uh, uh, building that's supposed to be made for the county business, if that's even legitimate uh, business. Because why are they leaving a building made for them to do the business of the people in the county unless there's some kind of nefarious type of going on here that may mean that the business of the people won't be done? Legally. Oh, here's here's what I will respond to that, Scott, is you're right. I mean, the legislature, the look again, and we need to go back to Civics 101 that I think a lot of people, even adults, have forgotten is we have three branches of government. We have the legislative, we have the executive, and we have the judicial. And ideally, we're supposed to have a checks and balance system before that. The legislative creates the legislation, the executive enforces the legislation, and the judicial sits back to make sure that it's all under the law, and that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and it doesn't overstep the law between the three steps of government. And we have the checks and balance systems around that. If the governor vetoes something, then the legislature can override that veto. That's a type of power to where we can actually hold her or whatever governor accountable. If the judicial system calls something unconstitutional, we can still override that as well through the legislature, but they have to do it in very high numbers. So we have a checks and balance system all over the place, where the uh, the judicial branch can stop legislation from the legislative branch or from actions from the executive. The executive can hold the Supreme Court accountable and so on and so forth. They all have their ways of checks and balances. As you mentioned, we see this not just in the county, but we see this all over the nation right now. The strongest, in my opinion, the strongest branch of government that we have at all levels, from the federal, the state, all the way down to the county and the local, is now the judicial. Every issue that comes up, we challenge in court and we wait for the black-robed legislators now to make the ultimate decision on whether it's allowed or not. They're the ones that are dictating the nation based on their political biasness, on their interpretation of law, and we're waiting for the, for the courts, whether a district court at the county level all the way up to the state Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme Court. We make them make the ultimate decision for us. So I agree with you, the, the judicial branch right now is by far the most powerful because everything we do hinges on their decisions on what we're allowed to do or not. And whenever we don't like something, we challenge it in court and take it to them to make the ultimate decision. And I don't like that system. The legislative, to me, is supposed to be the most powerful. But see, my question is, does the business that the county commissioners do outside of the county building, is that legit? Is that legal? Because, I mean, just like a a judge... I mean, if he does something outside of the courtroom, is that considered legal? I say, hey, since I'm not in my courtroom, I'm still a judge. Well, give a, give, still- an, give an example. I don't uh, maybe I don't know what uh, what they've been doing outside of the the well, uh, mean, commission they, meetings. They, they, they do meetings on Tuesday. You mm-hmm. know, you see it on the I think uh, one of the cable channels or something. Sure. Now, if they're doing their business uh, outside of the county building, you say, well, hey, we're going to vote on this. We're going to do this. How legal is that when they're not in the county building? I mean, that's just like the state legislators. How legal is that, uh, what they do 
Gotcha. If they're not in the state capitol. Gotcha. So there are there are two meetings. The, the Sedgwick County uh, Board has two meetings. They have one on Tuesday and one on Wednesday. The actual official county commission meeting where they vote on stuff is on Tuesday, or I'm sorry, on Wednesdays, because the city council meeting's on Tuesday, the county commission's on Wednesday. The meeting on Tuesday, as far as I'm aware, and we can get a county commissioner back on to kind of recorrect this, but my understanding is that it's more of an informational meeting for them to discuss these things they have going on for them to be able to vote on them on Wednesdays, but I don't know that they actually vote on anything or make actual legislative decisions on their meeting on Tuesday. I could be wrong, and we'll get to maybe Jim Howell back on to kind of clarify that, but I think their board meeting well, on Tuesdays are more for the boards to discuss what they've been working on. Wednesdays is when they actually vote on things to make decisions. And where are they voting at on Wednesday? Are they voting in the county yes. building or are they voting outside? Yes, the they're voting in their county building. Now, the county building's being moved because they're relocating right now, but where they're doing their meetings right now is the county board meeting in, in their chambers, I guess you could call it. Yes. Well, well, the reason why I say that, because they're saying, you know, downtown off of Douglas here, that the county commission meets there. I mean, they got a sign there and everything. You pay your property taxes and whatnot. It says that they meet there. Yeah, when you I, go to the county building. They say all of that is judicial, a bureaucrat, you know, bureaucrat. Yeah, well, so, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. We can what they do. Yeah, well, we can ask. A, we can ask. A, we'll get Jim. We haven't had Jim Howell back on the program for a while, so we need to get him on and and get an update. And that's a good question. Now, again, I know that they're relocating, what they've been moving, so uh, it's a little strange. I do kind of laugh because their board meetings they've been having, they're at this tiny little desk where they're crammed in with each other, which is hilarious and ironic over the last three years where they've had this big one and they've had this glass or this uh, uh, plastic barrier between them because of all the COVID stuff, and they were separated so far, and now. As soon as the regulations were done, even the ones that voted for that stuff to happen, they're like, okay, let's just put, you know, it's Pete Meitzner and David Dennis and some of these that were advocates of that mentality. Now they're like, let's go ahead and cram ourselves into a tiny little desk next to each other without a plastic barrier uh, in between us. So, oh, the irony. Apparently COVID's no more and we don't have to worry about it in any way, shape, or form. So, Scott, I appreciate it. I want to get some other calls here. But, yeah, we'll ask him about that. That's uh, That's an interesting one. For sure. Line number one. Let's go back here. Good morning. Who's this? Well, it's me, Andy. Hey, there you go, Sean. All right. All right. You got a couple minutes here. What's on your mind? Well, gee whiz, man. You know, I like to be enthusiastic. You know that. But I'm not feeling enthusiastic today. Not feeling optimistic about the future. Uh, There's always some great uh, optimism out there. Why why are you so blue today? Maybe it's because of the dreariness and the cold. Well, that's that definitely is a contributing factor. <laughs> My windows got wet for a minute, but uh, uh, <clears throat> how long has Biden been in office now? Uh, by my math, two years, three months, something like that, right? Yeah, we're coming on about uh, three years now because next year's the election for year number four. Oh, well, let me see. Yeah, okay. Well, still. Uh, this country is in the is in a spot I'm, that I've never seen before in my lifetime, and I, and things were bad by the end of Carter's uh, uh, first and only term. But that was uh, that was the economy and some other reasons. But you know the culture was different back then. I mean, the way I see it is is that this country is in serious, if not grave, danger. Some days I wonder if we're going to even make it. And uh, I know that all of the answers to uh, 
all of our problems is really not can't be solved politically. So, but uh, well, here's the optimism for you. Here's here's a here's a dose of optimism because trying to be the eternal optimist here on this program all the time. Some people say I'm too optimistic at times, but here's the good news: is that no matter what's going on, we can always fix it. We and what we have to remember is that we do not rely on any government entity to do that for us. Every time we say government do something, fix this, there's a problem, they always end up screwing it up more because most of the time they're the ones that threw the wrench in the system with the intent for them to have the solution of Gandalf riding on his great white horse to save the day at the end. And that's just what's led to the situation that we're in today to the point where we're looking to the government to define what's a boy and what's a girl? Isla, do you know what a boy and a girl is? You know the difference between those? Yeah, she's shaking her head. Yeah. So, yeah, and now we're looking to the government, unfortunately, to define that. We'll talk about that with Maya Mailman coming up in hour number two on that Women's Bill of Rights because apparently we have to legally define what a boy and what a girl is. That's the level that we've gotten to of insanity because we've looked to the government to solve our issues for us instead of just living our lives. And if we want to just live our lives, we have to show that we can live our lives without the government making every decision for us. And I've st- this is still open out to anybody out there, uh, wherever you may be listening, podcast or otherwise, where I ask you, name one thing, one thing in the world right now that you can do without the government controlling it, whether it being the FDA has to approve it for you to consume it, the government approving it before you can buy it to wear it, for you to license it in order for you to participate in it, for you to pay your taxes, to be allowed to do it or to reside in it. Name one thing the government does not control in your life. That's not a free nation. So while we say land of the free, yeah, I love America and the idea of I, of the country is still great, but we do not live in a free nation because there is not a single thing in this nation that is not regulated, taxed, uh, or controlled or approved of by the government before we're allowed to do it or use it. Or purchase well, it. So, and the only way we're going to fix that is just to not go along with that system anymore, and just do our own thing and say, "Leave me the hell alone." And when a community begins to do that, then we succeed. Then guess what? We're going to be the icons, and everybody else is going to fall in line, and we'll be indecent safe. So, uh, I, I'm always optimistic. And Sean, I want to try and sneak in one more phone call here before another uh, break. But uh, don't be down, my friend, because we can change it. We just have to stand up and do it. We've forgotten how to actually be activists. In today's times, our activism is let's put something on our profile picture on social media and create a hashtag to where people know that we stand for something, but we don't actually do anything. And that's kind of the frustrating part about that one. But Sean, have a great weekend, my friend. And don't be down. All is well for the eternal optimist on this program. That For every issue, there's always a solution. There's always a yin and yang. There's always the positive and negative energies out there. And all you have to do is uh, tap into what solution is to fix that. There's never a problem where there's not a solution because that goes against all physics in the universe. For every problem, there's always a solution. You always have to find that. And it's just basic math. There you go. Let's sneak in one more here. Uh, phone call line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Hello. How we doing? Good. Well, I got some optimism for you here. Bring it. Uh, one of the things that uh, I look at, there's two kinds of Democrats. There's the crazy radicals, uh-huh. which have taken over the party and hate America. But there's a lot of Democrats who simply don't know and are Americans. They don't hate America. Mm. And I think there are enough of those that we can get to understand that, you know, you don't want to kill a baby at nine months. 
You don't want five million a year of people coming in illegally. You don't want more crime. You want to have a good energy. All those things, I think we can get 10 to 20 percent, and maybe that will overcome the election fraud that the Democrats do. So I think there's a shot. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. There is a large portion of the, the I would say, the old school Democrats, the traditional Democrats who still think that, you know, they're the party of the working class, which they never were, but at least they had that perception, uh, that believe in the commonsensicalism in this nation. And that's the ones that we need to bind together. And we saw a lot of those actually turn out for Donald Trump in 2016 because of just his stance on working with the common folk. And you're right. There's even though some may be Democrats, there's a lot of them that are like, hey, yeah, I know the difference between a boy and a girl, and this argument's completely crazy. We need to get them to stand up and say, hey, let's take over our party again because our party's going so far radical that it's only going gonna, gonna to marginalize a lot of people. And I think we're seeing that civil war in the Democrat Party right now. Well, Andy, I think it takes, uh, it's either going to be ballots or bullets. So I prefer ballots, not bullets. So if we yeah. have the conversation and ask the questions, do you believe that a man can get pregnant? Uh, you, you know, various questions. Pretty soon you're saying, did you know that your party a whole totally disagrees with you? Yeah. How, how crazy is it that that's the question we have to ask to try and bring people back to reality? Can a, can a guy get pregnant? That's the question that will wake them up. How, how weird is that? <laughs> well, and dismemberment abortion, and do we want to get into a nuclear war with Russia? I mean, there's a whole bunch of questions you can ask. Yeah. But... When you get the answer, then they have to say it. Because I always say, when they say it, it's true. When we say it, it's just talk. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, you got to lead them to it. You have to make them wake up by it. You, you're right. If you just try to tell them, then we're the ones that are the problem because we're just trying to educate them and treating them poorly. You have to lead them to it and make them realize it and wake up on their own. I love it. I love the call, my friend. Have a great weekend. i got to run to a break here. But appreciate that very, very much. You're right. Lead them to the trough and... They'll figure out how to drink, and if not, well, that's their own damn fault. But you got to lead them to the trough to where they can make their own decisions and question things. That's why if you just use a Twitter hashtag and 160 characters to make your argument, then you probably don't understand the issue enough. And once you dig deeper, they either start to agree with you or they got nothing, and they're baffled. And you see that glossiness, that blank stare coming out of their eyes because they don't know how to go any further. That's the point we got to get them to to make them actually start thinking logically and do some critical thinking on their own. All right, we got some more calls on the line. We'll sneak you in when we come back. Wrapping up hour number one, it's Candace Talk right here on KQAM. Lots more to get to. Stay here. Back into the program, just a couple minutes here as we wrap up. Actually, we got about a minute and a half. Holy cow, the hour's flown right on by. Love all the phone calls. Appreciate you very much at 316-721-8255. Hour number two, not going to have a whole lot of time for phone calls. We have May Mailman. She's with the Independent Women's Law Center talking about the Women's Bill of Rights here in the state of Kansas. She's the one that wrote that bill. Also, we have a sit-down with the Wichita Police Department on their recruitment efforts, trying to get some more individuals signing up for law enforcement. And we sit down for the first time with our newly elected uh, police chief, Joe Sullivan. But we got about 45 seconds left here as we wrap up the show, but I want to sneak in one more phone call if we keep it quick here. Good morning. Who's this? 
Hello. Hello. Hey, how we doing? Good. And, and you? Hey, living the dream, my friend. You got about 45 seconds. It's all yours. I'm Roxy on the road, oh. and I wrestle Roxy, oh, I'm so glad you called. We're out of time, my friend, but uh, I, we got to get you back on. I have your book here, and I got to say, uh, real quickly is the plug, I love your book, The Secret Hids, Hidden uh, Gems and Secrets in Candace. We've been plugging it all morning. Secret Candace, a guide to the weird, wonderful, and obscure. Um, we got to get you on and have some more time to chat about this, but hang on the line here, and uh, we'll talk to you here in just a moment. Um, Man, uh, we'll get you back on because that's going to be a fun one and looking forward to uh, talking about that book. All right, our number two right around the corner, May Mailman, Independent Women's Institute. We'll have her on the program. Also, the Wichita Police Department and our newly appointed Wichita Police Chief Joe Sullivan as well. We'll try and sneak in a couple of calls if we can. Let's rock this thing, man. It's a Saturday. I'm about ready to head out to the Renaissance Festival. I am in my getup. I have my drinking horn. Skull! Let's have some fun. It's going to be a great Saturday here in Kansas as we go through springtime with a little bit of rain coming through yesterday and some storms as well. Hour number two right around the corner. Hang tight. Truth Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Hey, Don Ryder, just welcome into hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM 1480 on the AM dial and 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial. Plus, want to give a hat tip to our sister station, 1240 on the AM side, KIUL out in Garden City, Kansas. Tune in as well. Welcome in. We love you guys to death. What's up? Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to jump in on our Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, we have loads to talk about today as we did in hour number one as well. So much going on. The legislature is in its hiatus right now. It's two-week break as we go into the sign-and-die veto override session here in another week or two. What could that look like as many bills are still sitting in the governor's desk and deciding on whether she's going to sign, veto, what the heck she's going to do with some of these bills. It will be interesting to see. She's already vetoed some. Now, remember, this is the non-veto governor. She does not like to veto things, and she told us straight up that she is not a veto type of governor. (laughs) However, she's vetoed more than what most governors have done over the last 30 or 40 years, so we always laugh at that and find that somewhat entertaining as well. One of those bills that is sitting on the governor's desk right now, what she has not made a decision on, uh, is in regards to the Women's Bill of Rights. Now, for those that don't know, we did have two bills regarding to this issue. Actually, I think there's more, but at least two main bills. One of them was the Women's Sports Bill. That would make sure that men, transgender women that are men wanting to be women, would actually not be able to participate in women's sports here in the state of Kansas. Now, there is a response to that at the federal level. This is getting national attention. This is why, again, Kansas is the center point of conversation going on nationally because, again, we try to set the tone, we set the dialogue, and they just respond to the media. It loses their ever-loving minds when we try to have these conversations. So, uh, yeah, we have the conversation, and we're good at having that conversation because now we've passed the bill. The governor did veto the women's sports bill, and we have overridden that veto. So we can th- say thank you and hat tip to our state legislature for actually passing that one and making sure that it gets done 
Well done there, and we appreciate you very, very much on that. Now, the other bill, the Women's Bill of Rights, that would define what a man is, what a woman is, biologically, for their gender. I know it's a wild concept to even think about we could actually define someone based on their gender. Uh, That bill is passed in the legislature. It did not pass the original, uh, through the legislature the original time, in a veto-proof number. It's sitting on the governor's desk right now. We are expecting it to be vetoed, in which case we could have a tough time with that bill in the veto override session because we did not pass it with those supermajority numbers in either chamber uh, in the first round of voting. So we'll see what happens with that one. To talk about that issue, as she's been one writing the bill, she's been promoting the bill, she's the senior legal fellow with the Independent Women's Law Center, she's been here in Kansas, and she's a Kansas native where she sat down and talked about uh, this bill, the details of the bill, and what it actually means for the quote-unquote transgender movement nationwide. The media has been running with this bill saying that it's anti-transgender and anti-LGBTQ taking away their rights in the state of Kansas. (laughs) Again, that's what they tell us. Kind of an interesting perspective on that for sure. But we sat down with May Mailman yesterday on The Voice of Reason for our national broadcast to talk about specifically this bill and what it means not only here in the state of Kansas, but the over-under on Governor Kelly's veto on the bill and what it means nationwide as well. Again, May Mailman, the Senior Legal Fellow for the Independent Women's Law Center. May, how are you today? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's good to have you back on the program What a crazy world we live in, and we can tie this into so many current events going on nationwide right now with Bud Light and some of the other big woke movements that are happening. But uh, let's focus right now on the bill that you've been working on here in in our home state, in the state of Kansas, this Women's Bill of Rights. Where are we with this? Because it passed the legislature. What are the odds up or down that our Democrat governor is going to veto this one? So she's definitely going to veto it because she wants to be, I guess, an extremely unpopular governor and not recognize that women exist, that we have rights, that we're deserving of protection, that biological women are different than biological men. So once she vetoes it, then it's going to go back to the Kansas legislature and then they can override it just like they did with the women's sports protection. Um, you know, I hope that they do it. It is just funny, though, when you read the Kansas City Star, you would think that by defining a woman, this is actually what I end up reading, that the Kansas legislature would like to inspect everyone's genitals. That is what our <laughs> Kansas City Star has decided to go with as their story. So that's obviously not true. <laughs> we have lived since the beginning of time, knowing who is a man and who is a woman and what that means without genital inspection. So I don't see why all of a sudden tomorrow that would change. Um, It would just be, you know, the world as we have lived in forever. But, um, but yeah, so it's going to, going to, once she vetoes it, go back. And there, we just hope that our Kansas legislators have some common sense. Imagine talking about common sense, imagine a world like that where you have to go so far and are so delusional without being able to concept the grasp, uh, you know, grasping reality in some way, shape, or form that you have to make the statement that because you just have to define what is a male and what is a female, which is an absurd, uh, you know, uh, obsession that we have to actually focus on in today's times, anyways. That that's the argument that you have to make against it is that because we need to define a man and woman, that apparently we just need to look at every child's genitalia to know which bathroom 
they have to use, which uh, classroom they have to use, which dormitory rooms they have to go into, that we don't know by looking at them, so therefore we have to check genocide. That's the argument that they make because that, to me, seems like, hey, your desperation showing a little bit. You may want to cover up. It's, it's really remarkable. I think there's a provision in the sports bill that something like if you – are trying to contest what your birth certificate says, or if you refuse to, to purchase or to show your birth certificate, then you can basically use physical information since all kids in order to play sports have to take a physical. So like, because there's an existing requirement that you have a physical and that you can use that, that that means genital inspection, you and I know normal people know that that does not mean a genital inspection. That means you have refused to basically show the information on your birth certificate and are trying to claim that you are a sex that you are not. Um, but the women's bill of rights is even, you know, way far removed from that because it basically just says women exist. Biological women exist. Uh, they are women whose reproductive systems are capable of producing ova and, um, and that because women exist when courts, look at different things like sororities versus fraternities or different separations, women's prisons versus men's prison, that it is okay to have some separation of the sexes where it makes logical sense for safety or fairness. So this is, these are just really basic things. They have existed from the beginning of time. They've been very good for women. Um, I'm a new mom and I think a lot of other new moms have experienced where you're traveling around. There are what they call mother's rooms. They're for breastfeeding. And, and they very clearly say on there, no men. You know, a lot of men have to feed their babies when they're traveling too, but like no men. And it's, it's just things like that. Things that are good for women that are private spaces where biological women can go do biological women things. Yeah. The weird part about this conversation is that we have uh, we have individuals who apparently can transition genders, which is, you know, again, mind boggling for most individuals out there. But at the same time, you have the same crowd that's supporting that movement telling our daughters, for example, that they can't dress up in a certain Halloween costume because it's culturally appropriating. They can't dress up like Moana because that would be of that type of culture, and therefore you can't disrespect that culture. But if you decide truly that you feel like a boy or if you're a boy that truly feels like a girl – then that's acceptable. I'm, I'm curious on, and I'm confused on where that line's actually drawn because it seems like the Halloween costume would be less of an offensive thing than a guy coming in and just dominating everything that women have worked so hard for throughout the years. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it is appropriating women. And I don't think that all people, I, you know, th there might be some, you know, portion of people who are just trying to like live their life quietly or whatever. But like, let's take Dylan Mulvaney and just a pure appropriation of womanhood, like a mockery, a mockery of womanhood. His first day of girlhood where he said he bought a lot of expensive things and cried a lot and was just overly emotional. It's everything that I am trying to say that I'm not when I'm applying for a job you know, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm irrational, bad with money, and like I'm going to weep at work all the time. So it's all these stereotypes that women have tried to fight against, and then men can go say that they're going to basically appropriate womanhood, as you said, and that everyone has to go along with it. 
But when we appropriate any type of other thing, appropriate race, appropriate culture, then you can't even, they've, I, I don't know if you read the article, that if you have a meme that has a black person on it, that you have, you are doing digital blackface. So like on everything <laughs> else besides stealing women, you can't even think about it. And then as far as mocking women, Dylan Mulvaney can do it all day. Oh, I don't know what March Madness is because I'm a woman. You know, we all know what March Madness is, dude. Like, please stop. Wow. I never, I didn't realize you're right. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any sense how you can go that badly into stereotyping when literally for years they've been telling us you cannot stereotype uh, certain groups of individuals, Asian Americans or Hispanic Americans or black Americans or women. or any, You can't stereotype them. But if you think you are one, then you can amplify the stereotypes and it's totally acceptable from that side of the aisle. Why do you think they're pushing so hard on this and why do you think the media is covering this issue so badly when it's especially in the classroom and in public schools with the transgender issue is it because we're finally starting to push back and they've just kind of gotten whatever they wanted to for so many years in public schools and brainwashing children and now the fact that we're saying no and drawing a line they're upset with that or why do you think that this is the issue they're trying to die on as a, you know when they're standing on top of the hill so it's funny i I have to think that the Democratic Party is not, actually, because when you look at what Biden did for women's sports, he tried to say, yeah, you've got to let men into women's sports, but you don't always have to, like in some circumstances. So I, I have to think that there are people who have brains that are thinking this issue is not going to go well for us, but they have capitulated to the most radical portion of the Democratic Party, and they have just let a certain number of people who have felt constrained by whatever it is, Christianity uh, or or just reality, truth. Um, just the family values, moral values that we try to hold family. up to. Exactly. But you and I, we know Democrats who would who know what men are, who know what women are. They want their daughters to be able to use bathrooms and locker rooms and participate in sports. So when I see the Kansas City Star leaning so far into this issue, when I see, uh, you know, Governor Kelly veto this, I don't know what they're thinking. I really I. Are they stupid? I just, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It is not popular. It is not a winning agenda. And it is a fringe, fringe, fringe position. It is a fringe position. And it's weird that they've taken that stance. And like you said, even even Candace Governor Kelly has said on the campaign trail, at least, that it's common sense that boys should not be competing in women's sports, but yet vetoes the bill. Now, for those that live outside of the state of Kansas, there were two bills. This bill that you've been working on with the Women's Bill of Rights. There was also a women's sports bill that we promoted here in Kansas that she did veto. And the Kansas legislature has overridden that one. So now we can make sure that boys are not participating in women's sports here in the state of Kansas, and that's good news, and a lot of other states are working on that as well. Why the radicals are making this the hill to die on for transgenderism, and not just transgenderism, because again, if someone feels something different and wants to act a certain way or dress a certain way or be a certain way, again, the libertarian coming out of me says, I don't really care. We don't care. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's not just about you do your thing, I do my thing. It's about, no, 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 we're going to make it a big national icon. We're going to force it down your throat, and you have to accept it or else you're the worst human being on the face of the earth. And that's where we're at today, which is a very weird position for us to be in, especially with such a commonsensical issue. I could see it on economic issues or philosophical issues, but this is common sense on what a guy or a gal is in the nation. May As we look at some of these woke businesses, we see Bud Light, and the latest headline I've seen is they've already lost anywhere between 6 to $7 billion of their shares after endorsing Dylan and making uh, him, because he is still a man, making him the face on the beer cans and a kind of the new spokesperson for the company. We see the woke company of Disney. While they're changing movies, they're blotching out movies, they're removing movies off of their Disney+. Plus. We see them going into a spiraling downhill movement to where the last couple big hits they've had weren't big hits and they're doing massive layoffs. Is the woke movement killing corporations in the country, do you think? Well, it's funny. I mean, yes, this is going to be some temporary pain on Anheuser-Busch, sort of. I mean, they've got a bazillion other brands of beer that probably just scooped up a lot of uh, previous Bud Light drinkers who didn't know that they were switching over to uh, Ultra, which is also Anheuser-Busch or whatever. But um, the problem is, is that I fear that companies care a little bit about this type of backlash, but they don't really care because what they really want is a good ESG score so that they can uh, have loans, so that they can basically operate as a business. And in order to have a good ESG score, they need to do all of this woke stuff. So I do think that consumer backlash is necessary because that is the power that consumers have. However, I think that it is one very small step because anyone who works at a major corporation knows that every decision that they make from the food that you provide in your grocery store or convenience store to the people that you hire to the advertisements that you run, like every decision is focused on how can I have a better ESG score and that ESG score is basically how woke is my company and you want to be super woke so that you can get loans from banks. And if you don't get loans from banks, then you can't exist as a company. Um, So good on consumers for rejecting Bud Light. Continue to do that, I think. But we have a really big problem that the elites in our society have made large-scale decisions that companies need to, like, be fully trans. All right, there we go. That again was Mae Mailman. She's the Senior Legal Fellow for the Independent Women's Law Center. We appreciate her time very much. Interesting conversation. Again, she's been the one writing the bill here in the state of Kansas, but it goes to a much broader conversation as well. Obviously, there's another conversation to be had here that we didn't get a chance to talk to her about, which we'll do right after the break as well. I want to get your phone calls on it. And we talk about this issue. What a madding, madness world that we live in, the fact that this is the focal point for so many and the hill to die on for so many on the progressive side. Very interesting. We'll do that when we come back here. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here.
Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Also, our friends at KIUL out in Garden City. Welcome aboard. Good morning to you, as usual, starting off your Saturday. And interesting conversation for sure, especially with May Mailman that we had in the last segment. We interviewed her on our national broadcast of The Voice of Reason yesterday. Played that interview again just a little bit ago. Another segment of that that we didn't get to that I want to mention uh, real quickly as we got just a couple minutes before the bottom of the hour and we kind of shifted gears here. But there's another piece of the conversation that just came out as of the last day or two. The Biden administration watching obviously the federal government watching you and i with what the states are doing is the states are now trying to exercise their rights of federalism what a concept the states being able to make their own decisions and the federal government not being involved in some of these conversations the way it's supposed to be well the federal government doesn't like that very much and just uh, over the last few days the biden administration has now been changing title nine and some of the rules and regulations under title nine if you don't know what title nine is Really, the anti-discrimination laws at the federal level, you know, you can't uh, not rent to somebody based on their skin color, based on their gender, that sort of stuff. Well, they're now they're trying to tweak that one to say that states no longer have a right to decide about transgenders playing in their sports, uh, sports and activities at the statewide level. For the first time, really ever, the federal government's trying to play the concept that they're promoting the idea of the local communities and the local school boards should be making that decision on whether they want the transgender students to play in the sports or not. Not the statewide level, but the local school boards. Now, for every other educational piece, they want the state school boards and they want the U.S. Department of Education to be making those decisions. Not for this one. Now they're trying to play that card of bring it to the local front. We don't want the states abusing power and telling local school boards what to do. Uh Uh-huh. That's a lawsuit. Oklahoma's filing it. Kansas, I'm sure, is going to jump on. Florida's jumping on others as well because that's a stupid position to make, all because they're losing power and they realize it. Lots more coming up. Call the show at 316-721-8255. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Darn right it is. Also want to say howdy to our friends out at KIUL in Garden City, Kansas. Now that you're picking up the program as well, welcome aboard. Thanks for hanging out, and we love you to death as well out in Garden City where my radio career started all the way back when. So it's good to be back on your airwaves again on a local front. I know you always carry our national broadcast with the voice reason as well, but uh, the fact that you're carrying the local one too, always good to hear from you. Yes, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on our maximum outdoor equipment hotlines. Although, I will be honest with you, there's not a whole lot of time to take phone calls because I got two really big interviews that are really important that I want to run here on the show that we've chat down over the last couple of days uh, with some local individuals from the Wichita Police Department. As this first interview we did just a couple of days ago is Officer Juan and uh, another individual has joined us in studio to talk about uh, what's going on with the Wichita Police Department as they're doing a major recruiting push. And yes, this is relevant even out in Garden City as well as law enforcement shortages are happening all over the country. And do you have an opportunity to become a law enforcement agent right here in South Central Kansas and the Wichita area as well? So we sat down with the Wichita Police Department talking about their latest recruitment activities. I am Interim Deputy Chief Poldoff uh, over field operations. 
Very good. And I'm Officer Rebollero. I work for the Public Information Office, with the, which is the police department. Yeah, we have some great conversations. I always joined you guys. So I appreciate you coming in here. Thank you. Uh, you guys are doing a big uh, campaign push, getting some new recruits in the area. This has been a hot topic, especially for a while in the city of Wichita. Getting some new recruits into the Wichita Police Department as it's been there. We've seen a shortage nationwide, statewide. I know Kansas Highway Patrol has been working on some big campaigns, getting some new individuals, but uh, you guys have some new recruitment classes coming up, don't you? We do. Yes, we got a uh, we have a new class starting in July, and so that's why we're we're out here now. We want we want people to uh, really consider looking at joining the police department. We want to truly represent and mirror our city as a police department as an agency, and uh, we're we're doing a lot of outreach now. We're trying to get out and say, hey, come take a look at us. We uh, come serve your community. Come, come serve the community. Yeah. How, now, how many officers do we have right now? So we are commissioned uh, for 700, uh, but we are, uh, we're really hopeful to try and get a much larger class in for the start of this July. Ooh, okay. Uh, how many are signed up as of right now, do you know? So we have, uh, I don't know, actually, as of the exact day. I can probably find out, but I think we are, we're looking to at least get another 20 officers in if we can. Okay. So, yeah, All right. That's a goal. Yeah, that yeah. is the goal. No, yeah. I like that. Uh, the opportunities are endless, and I know that from the uh, both uh, the Cedric County Jail to the Wichita Police Department, Cedric County Sheriff's Office, there's tons of opportunities for individuals if they're interested in getting involved in any form of law enforcement, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. And again, it comes down to what your interests are and what they might be. I know what the we are the largest uh, police department in the state, and so we have a lot of opportunities. If we have an officer who might be interested in serving in the school as a school resource officer, or even a community policing patrol, or we have SWAT, we have bomb squads, so we have mounted mm-hmm. units. So, for an agency our size, we have all kinds of opportunities for someone. Whatever your interest might be, we can we, we have something for you at the police department. May have to jump on the bomb squad. Uh, that yeah. sounds like fun. <laughs> that sounds like fun. I may have to do something. Like that. Talk about for those that are interested. What's uh, what does this entail? What, are the, what does the course look like, the training that you go through? What does all that entail? So once we get you through the application process, we start you through our 26-week training academy here in Wichita. And the law enforcement training center that we have is actually on the campus of Wichita State. So it's a brand new facility, brand new equipment. Uh, and there you will go through a variety of different training from defensive tactics, firearms instruction, emergency vehicle operations, use of force, uh, constitutional law, state law, state statute, everything else. And so uh, and after the 26 weeks, we put you through 16 weeks of field training officer where you get paired up with another officer. Uh, you will go through a variety of different training, on-the-job training, so to speak, and then we cut yeah. you loose as a full-time police officer. I'll let you go Absolutely. at it. Let you go at it. So in other Absolutely. words, I'd have to get in shape a little bit again. We do have a PT test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to start running a little bit again if I tried to go down that road. Uh, so how many hours do you log when you're training with an officer, when you're actually out in the field, when you're doing that sort of thing? What, is, what does that entail when you're it's essentially kind of a ride along, but more involved, obviously? Yeah, it's obviously, I mean, you are going to be, you'll have a field training officer that will go through everything with you and there's four different stages. Uh, but you, uh, we have a great schedule. So we work four 10 hour shifts. So you have three day weekends. So hey. uh, yes, not many agencies will have that. So we do have a great schedule. So uh, you know, you take a day off, you've got four day weekends. So sure. there's, a, there's a lot of different things you can do with your time. Uh, and so we, uh, we, we have a lot of benefits and then you'll go through the field training program. And like I said, it's 10 hours a day. You'll be with that field training officer for those 16 weeks. And then you, uh, you, you go through and then you'll be assigned a beat. Yeah, absolutely. What you guys do is absolutely incredible. And we, we, we never give enough credit to law enforcement, emergency responders with what you guys do, especially nationally with the, I guess I want to say political attacks on you guys after some of the movements that we've seen over the last few years and and the demonization of law enforcement. Has that hindered, do you think, some of the recruitment just on a national scale with some of the issues that have gone on? 
I think it's certainly played a part, obviously. Uh, I think when you start looking at some of the, the, the media reports and everything else, I think it might turn somebody away to, you know, but I, we, yeah. but I think, again, I think it's one of those things that we, and here in the city, we have a lot of support for us. Uh, and so there's, we've always had a good relationship with, the, with our community. We've always been, we've done a lot of outreach. We've been very involved. And I think uh, we've, we've, we've managed to do really well in the city. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys do really well being involved in the community. Uh, community. Now with uh, the newly elected uh, police chief, Joe Sullivan, you know, really getting involved with stuff. I've seen him out at a few uh, different community events as well. Uh, and a couple of years ago, even with the Black Lives Matter group that was here in town, you guys having kind of a barbecue kind of a, an event. So it's good to see you guys out and about. And I think the relations are good in town, at least from what I've seen. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I, I got to tell you, this is probably, I know we get some bad rap, you know, uh, the media sometimes don't like us. Uh, but I media didn't like anybody. It's, well, they really don't like you. me. It's okay. <laughs> but I encourage everyone to 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 take a look at our department to yeah. to see what we have to offer. Um, this is probably the best job I've ever in my life, and I'm not a young pop. I'm a 51 year old. I started this job when I was 45. Sure, um, done quite a bit of things in my life, and this is probably the best job I ever had. That's so amazing. I encourage people to apply for the department, come here, to take a look at what we do. Um, Chief Sullivan um, opened up again the options of doing ride-alongs. So go to one of our stations, pick up an application, fill up it, uh, fill the application up, uh, schedule one ride with your officer. Uh, you can pick the day. Uh, you can pick if you want to do it on weekends, nights, during the day. You can pick four hours, five, six, eight hours, ten hours. Wow. Uh, come here, take a look at what we do. Uh, you'll be surprised how different it is and how much fun it is. And the fact that you can actually help your community to get better and to grow. I think I encourage a lot of people to do ride-alongs, and I can't wait. I want to do. I told you guys I want to do one myself because you get another perspective of from what you guys see. I mean, I think we need to bring the show Cops back on TV just to see kind of your guys' perspective <laughs> as you're on the streets doing things. Uh, but it puts it does it puts an entirely new perspective on the daily job of a law enforcement officer. Uh, and, and that might entice someone to be like, you know what, this is kind of fun. I want to start recruiting or sign up and actually be involved more. That's how they got me 19 years ago. So <laughs> I did a ride along. It's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And uh, I applied and I joined the police department. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, outside of the recruitment, real quickly, uh, we just had a couple of weeks ago, and I know we've talked a little bit about it, is the uh, gun safety, handing out gun, uh, gun safes for individuals. And uh, your guys, uh, what is it, the collect a bullet? or It's uh, a save a case program. Save a case. That's, That's something what that we yeah. do here in our um, department. And it's a very sim sim simple program. It yeah. doesn't cost any money to you guys. Um, we provide ammunition so you can go and shoot and uh, collect two casings. Uh, the cases stay with you. They don't have to give us any other stuff. It's just yeah. in case that your gun is missing or stolen, you'll be able to get the gun back uh, eventually uh, because the casings are it's just like a, your fingerprint. It's unique yep. to your handgun. Uh, you keep it. Something happens, you will turn that with your report, and when the gun gets located, you'll get your gun back. That they are not cheap, so why not? Yeah. And you get a free uh, safe, a gun safe for you, for your vehicle. Is there one of the departments you guys have right now that's one of the largest growing departments? Like you said, either the bomb squad, maybe the narcotics, obviously fentanyl being a major issue right now that you guys are battling. Is that a, a growing department to try and fight that? Uh, we obviously, we do it everything as far sure. as the police department goes and so uh there's this the fentanyl is a major issue uh we are doing a full push on that a lot of education uh, a lot of obviously 
narcotic investigations going on as well. But there is, uh, as a police department, like I said, if you are interested in any given particular area, whether it be narcotics, whether it be EOD, whether it be mounted, whether it be community policing, school reasons, there is, like I said, there is something on the police department that we would guarantee that you're going to be interested in. So yeah. come check us out. Absolutely. Oh, with, yeah. some of, with some of the new state legislation coming in with uh, Narcan being available to you guys to be able to use with some of the overdoses of fentanyl that's, uh, that's coming from the AG's office, is that going to help you guys, do you think, on the street? Uh, in terms of, yes, it will. I mean, just to be sure, we've, we've have officers who have been issued Narcan and they've saved numerous lives because of it as well. So, uh, yeah. officers being having that, having that as a tool, uh, in order to save lives has, has really helped us. It's going to be nice. I love it. One more time. What's that website if people want to sign up? It is www.wichitopd, sorry, wpdjobs.gov. wpdjobs.gov. Right. Yes. Yes. There right. it is. Yeah. Get it signed up. It's the recruitment coming up for the uh, summer class. How many are you hoping for? 100? 150? Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the more the merrier. The more the merrier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Come That's check right. us out. We'll, uh, we'll get you in there. So. I love it. Wichita Police Department. We appreciate you guys very much. Keep up the fight. Thank you guys for your service. We'll Thank get you, you back so on much. again soon. Thank you Thanks very again. much for having us in your Maybe program. Either. There it is. Latest recruiting efforts from the Wichita Police Department. Interesting conversation with what's going on with WPD. I know it's been an ongoing issue and we want to thank, by the way, all of our men and women in uniform for what they do, what they have to go through. We appreciate everything that you do. God bless you to death all over, not just Wichita or Cedric County or even the state of Kansas, but nationwide because you get the bad reps and it's pretty crazy. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation as we have the newly appointed Wichita Police Chief Joe Sullivan. He'll be in studio with us here in just a little bit, right back here on Kansas Talk. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on Kansas Talk, right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Special guest in studio today as he's officially getting all settled into the Wichita area. And a lot of stuff going on here. Last time I saw you, my friend, we were soaking wet trying to warm up after our polar plunge uh, from a few weeks ago for the Special Olympics. But uh, in studio with us here is Officer Juanigan. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Andy. Yeah, good to see you. Good and see you. our Wichita Police Chief, Mr. Joe Sullivan. Joe, how are you, my friend? I'm great. It's good to see you. Are you uh, officially all settled in Wichita? How are you enjoying it? I'm loving it. Yeah? Yeah, there's nothing to getting settled in here. This is, uh, I think, the most livable city in America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can, now, you came from Philadelphia, correct? Philadelphia. Okay. How's the? What's the differences between there and here? Kind of some drastic changes, you think, huh? And they're all good drastic all good changes. changes. All good changes. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a more friendly atmosphere, less hectic atmosphere. Sure. Um. You know, I can't believe it. Uh, today was the first day I saw traffic. Um, so <laughs> I'm really enjoying that. My my commute was uh, 45 minutes to go nine miles in Philadelphia. So I love it. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. But I mean, j- just everything about the city is just very positive. Good. And, and I think the city's growing and I, I think it's going to really explode in the next five years. And I'm really thrilled that I'll be part of that. Yeah. The opportunities are big here in Wichita. I've been here for 10 years ish now. And it's, it's, I don't want to live any other place. It's an amazing place. Uh, as police chief, I know you came in with uh, kind of an interesting force right now. I know we're short on police officers. We've talked about some of the recruitment you guys have been working on uh, over the last few weeks. But as the chief right now, what's your thoughts on the Wichita police force? Are we doing well? Do we have some work to do? Uh, I mean, when you came in here, what were some of the priorities you wanted to do to kind of take it up to the next step? Well, definitely re- recruitment is the issue. We're, yeah. we're, we're short officers. We're short about 70, and that prevents me from doing a lot of the positive things that I'd like to do, um, specialized things to increase community engagement and things of that nature. So right now, it's recruiting. 
and, and we're going nationwide. Sure. We're going to produce a, a really sophisticated recruitment video that I am going to make sure highlights not just my department, but I mean, this amazing city, because that was my experience. I came sure. here and thought to myself, wow, we got to let young people who are interested in a career in law enforcement know that this is a very high tech police department. You bet. And it is going in a great direction. The next uh, several years are going to be really interesting. Um, but on top of that, uh, you, this is a great city to raise a family in. It's very affordable sure. and it's a high quality of life. And, and you really want to think, should really think about that. So we're going to highlight both of those things in, in our video, in, in all of our recruitment efforts. And, and we're branching out. Not just, We're going statewide. We're going nationwide. But we are always going to prioritize the men and women uh, who are lifelong residents of, of this city. But yeah. um, as any police chief in America knows now, you, you, you can't limit your, your search to just your, your your own city, you've got to go. You've got to go nationwide. I was going to say, did you see the same problem over there in Philadelphia as well? I know, uh, obviously, with a lot of the uh, political attacks that we see on law enforcement nowadays, a lot of the movements of you know the anti-cop movements, which is unfortunate in a lot of communities, is it making it hard for recruitment, not just here in Wichita, but just nationwide in general? Oh, one hundred percent. You know, we we just, we just actually recently lost a recruit. And he cited that as one of the reasons why he decided really? that this wasn't for him. And yeah, and you know what? We appreciate when someone just does an honest evaluation and realizes that. And um, it, it's it, it is the anti-police sentiment that that does make it difficult. Um, but also, you know, the the violence that's occurring. Yeah. You know, not everyone is equipped to deal with that. I I would uh, one of the examples I would give you is we saw what the, the police response to the active shooter in in Nashville. Uh, classic, re, um, you know, perfect police response, but not everybody is equipped to just go in and and take on someone that's that that's armed with a high powered weapon and and take them out. And we make sure to to drive that into our recruits that that is your job. Yeah, and you're you're expected to do it. And um, so I, I think people are evaluating that on multiple fronts. And policing requires you to work nights and weekends and and holidays. So. Um, it takes a special type of person, whether it be police officer, or firefighter, or paramedic, uh, member of the military. It takes a very special person to agree to a life of service. And jump into that kind of situation, yeah. yeah. Which feeds into, I know a couple of weeks ago, we had these swatting calls that happened all over the state mm-hmm. of Kansas. A lot of them happening here in the Wichita and El Dorado area as well. Uh, response on that, were you happy with how we responded there? Luckily, no one got hurt. No kind of cases happened all over the state. So we were kind of aware of what was going on. But that seems to be a trend now that we're seeing all over the nation are these ridiculous swatting calls of fake active shooter scenarios. Yeah. Can you imagine doing something in other, <laughs> that awful? Yeah. Um, and, and the intent is certainly to, to create some type of tragedy. But definitely uh, since I've arrived and uh, because of great communication with our partners over in the school board and our other partners in law enforcement, um, getting great intelligence from from the FBI um, and um, uh, Great work by our supervisors and our officers and our, and our communications dispatchers mm. of acknowledging that th- this call seems a, a, a little bit odd um, and that they're using some type of technology to met, to mask the source of the call. Giving that in, sharing that information with the officers in the field so they give they give a quick yeah. and uh, but a very measured response. So um, I've gotten um, very good feedback from the school board on that because what that that does trauma uh, traumatize our children who are in school and suddenly see uh, a large police response by uh, 
you know, a large police response. And, and unfortunately, that's what the people that do this are, are trying to accomplish. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's unfortunate. Uh, Officer Watt, I know we've talked about it quite a bit about the, you know, kind of the save a casing uh, program that you guys have for because for some reason there's a lot of gun thefts around here and I don't understand that concept either. But is that getting some good traction? Are you guys getting some good response from the community of people saving their bullet casings in just in case we see guns disappearing? Correct, and we also use an opportunity to teach uh, or you know let our community know uh, what is the safest way to keep your gun. Uh, mm-hmm. So at the same time, you know we are giving free ammunition, so you come and enjoy and shooting your gun in their range and also getting a free safe for your vehicle so yeah. in case that you you carry it and then you're going to go to a place you cannot have it on you you can safely put this in the safe and leave it in your vehicle and not get it stolen so the program is a lot of different things one to reduce the theft of yeah. handguns from vehicles because that's kind of our biggest number uh, but also have that casing that you actually keep yeah. and if your gun goes missing we'll be able to track that gun back to you later and then you can get it back. It's a great program. I love it. Being part of the Kansas uh, Rifle Association uh, on their board, it's fun to see not only you guys try and protect gun thefts, but also with some of the gun safety, some of the gun safety procedures as well. Um, As police chief coming into the city, what's one of the biggest issues in the community that you've noticed that you really want to focus on? Has it been the fentanyl issue? Has it been human trafficking issues? maybe gun crimes in the community. What have you seen as kind of the big focal point that we need to work on here? Well, you named, you named three of them. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you, it's hard to pick one because they're really interrelated. Sure. But the opioid crisis, there, there's no way around that. It's taking a terrible toll. I would say that uh, there's not a family in America that hasn't been impacted in some negative way by, by opioids and, and, and now fentanyl. So th- th- that's a huge priority for us. And we're looking forward to um, doing better public education. Um, our officers are carrying Narcan. They've saved numerous lives. But I think public education is really where it's at. We've got to get to our children while they're in grade school. And, and, and I, I know a lot of people think, well, wow, that's, a, you know, talking about stuff like that to children that young. But what we're seeing, if, if we do not educate them at that age, then you have people out there that are taking fentanyl products and they are fashioning them like candy. Yeah. They are making them look like legitimate prescription drugs. So it's so important that we do that education early on because, you know, we're going to continue. We're coming after anyone that sells this death in our city, and we're going to prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. But the real solution to the problem is to re- is to eliminate the demand, and we do that by education and providing other type of support services for people that are suffering from dependence. Yeah, well, the, the scary part about this one is is that even if you get some type of quote-unquote prescription drug over online, we hear about the case from uh, coming out of Snapchat, someone trying to get just some basic pills, just a regular pill that you didn't even know would be bad, or even just thinking, hey, I'm going to have some marijuana or whatever that could be laced with this type of stuff, uh, the smallest amount, you're not overdosing on it, you're just taking the smallest amount that could kill you. That's the scary part about this kind of drug that I don't think people are aware of. Just a, a a few minuscule grands yeah. are enough to kill you. Yeah. So it's really important that you don't, you don't accept something that you haven't been given, prescribed by, by a medical professional, because you don't know what you're you're getting on the street, and they're purposely hiding the content of these dr- uh, of, of these substances. Yeah. And and we're seeing these illicit pills um, on the street, but the amount of of, of pills being trafficked. 
that we're recovering. And while it's impressive, we know that it's just a drop in the bucket. Yep. I know you guys have had some of the biggest busts on fentanyl in the entire country here in the area. So kudos to you guys on that one with the continued fight. Last thing before we let you go, and I appreciate it, it's Wichita Police Chief Joe Sullivan. Uh, I have to give you credit. I, I heard one of the interviews you did after the incident of some, what was it, teenagers that, uh, you know, attacked a police officer at the bowling alley or whatever it was a few months ago. And the comment that you had made on the TV interview was um, asking for parents' help to help actually parent their kids and actually be part of the solution instead of relying on law enforcement to do everything for you. I got to give you props on that one because personal responsibility, what a concept. We don't hear about that very much anymore, especially from uh, elected officials. So thank you for that comment. And uh, maybe we can actually have the community come together to work on issues as opposed to just relying on someone to take care of us and do, do it for us. Now, I, we got great support from the Ministerial League because the reality of the situation is that we, we, we need the community support in overseeing events like that and involving our young people because, unfortunately, too many of our young people do not come from a traditional family, and they don't have that type of support at, at home. No. So whenever we can get members of the community to kind of fill that void and re- remove the need for a law enforcement interaction, it's a positive thing for everyone. There he is. That's Wichita Police Chief Joe Sullivan. We appreciate his time again very much as well. Some interesting information from the Wichita Police Force, both from officers and from the police chief. We appreciate their time. We'll get them back on again soon. That does it for us today. As usual, I'm headed out to the Renaissance Festival, baby, out at the Cedric County Park. Give them a little plug. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you back on the radio next weekend for Candace Talk right here on KQAM. KQAM.